Yeah, this is an exciting day. As much as I loved going through 1 Timothy, I'm, I'm even more eager and excited at the treasure, really the, the, the massive treasure that is the, the book of 2 Timothy. There, there is something rich and deep about Paul's last letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. And I, I trust that as we dig into this epistle, that the Lord will, will bless the preaching of his word, that the Lord will meet us, encourage, strengthen, challenge us. For me, the, Lord, the Lord's been working on me the last couple weeks as I've just been pouring into 2 Timothy, looking at it over and over and over and over again. And what I want to bring to us this morning is, is the title, Remember God's Gift. You know, maybe I'm the only one, but, it, but at times I, I just seem to kind of forget. Maybe it's my age as I get older. I like to blame it on COVID, but it's, it's not COVID. It's, it's just at times I forget. Yesterday, I had quite a, a trying time. It wasn't supposed to be a trying time. It was supposed to be this great glorious time of preparing a, a trampoline for, Lord willing, the, the foster kiddos that the Lord would, would bless us with. No, we, we still haven't gotten them yet. We've had many opportunities, and the Lord just keeps shutting that door. I, I, Shannon and I, we, we'd covet your prayers and, and praying for us, Kylie Blake, Wesley, Kara, all of us, um, we, we want to pour the love of Christ into the kid, kiddos that need it. So what did, what did I do? I decided, okay, I'll go ahead and, and get this trampoline up. We, we found that, that as it was, you know, being moved from one place to the next and we left, let it out, that there was a couple things that needed mending that actually needed to be replaced. The, the spring pad that, that you put over the springs that you, you don't kind of, you know, impale yourself going onto the trampoline that's kind of significant and important. And, and so yesterday I, I got up and started at 7 a.m. and thought, man, by 10 o'clock I'll be done with this. And I can get onto my taxes. Yes, I'm, I'm still working on my taxes. And so what happens is I'm all excited. I start to work on this. I, I make my way around tying everything. And it's just to be honest between you and me, it's a bit of a pain. You have to get under there and tie every so often, make sure that it's secure. And I get all the way around it as I'm honestly tying up the, the last couple little straps. It, it dawns on me as I'm thinking about going and getting the net, you know, that, that enclosure net, that, that as I'm thinking about going and getting that, I'm, I'm having this reminder of, oh, I think that net goes on before the springs. And so then I start coming up with a way, well, can I still do it? Can I somehow keep the, the, the pad on and still get that? No, I can't do that. So I go and I grab the net, and I'm still hoping that by God and his wonderful grace is going to reveal to me that I was wrong. And yet the reality is he revealed to me that I was oh so right that I had forgot. And so then what did I have to do? I had to take apart that whole spring pad, each individual little strap that I just attached. And then I had to go and I had to remove every spring one at a time and then, then attach this enclosure net all the way around only to, to get back to the first thing that I'd already done that morning, back to the pad to put that on. Are, are you sensing a little bit of my frustration? First service, I forgot to tell everybody that I actually finished the project, that it's still not waiting. 
But by noon, not 10, by noon, and actually it was, I don't think I was finished. I actually stopped for lunch, went back after lunch, so it was probably closer to, to almost 1 o'clock I, I finished the project. I, I say all that to say that, it, that at times we forget. I, I'd already set this whole thing up. I, I was the one that took it down, so I, I knew what the process was on, on, on how you do this and, and kind of the chronology behind it. The order by which you're supposed to do this, and you do this wrong, it, it is a headache. I, I wonder if the Apostle Paul was, was thinking about such things. As he, as he faces death, imminent death, any time, and he, and he pens this letter to his, his young son in the faith, his beloved son, the one that he loved, that, that he treated and thought of as his own son, that perhaps as, as, as Paul was looking at the end of his life and then looking at Timothy and how much more of life he had to live, how much more service of the Lord he had to live, how he had to pass off this baton of, of the gospel ministry to Timothy. And he, he wanted the handoff to be good. He, he, wanted, he wanted Timothy's hand to grab it strong and know exactly where he was going. That, that perhaps, as, as we, we saw a little bit in First Timothy, that, that Timothy is timid at times. That perhaps Timothy, with all that has been happening, was, was thinking about saying, you know what, I, I, I quit. I, I'm, I'm just going to go someplace else and just hang out and, and kind of hang up the gospel ministry. And so what does Paul do? He doesn't give them all sorts of new information. We're not going to see new doctrine. We're not going to see a whole lot of new theology wrapped up in, in 2 Timothy. And, and you know what, I'm not going to ooh and awe you over that. What, what we're going to see is we're going to see things that we all most likely know already. But here's the thing. We need to be reminded of them. When, when we finish this morning with verse 2, that's as far as we're going to get, we're, we're going to see that, that it's all about what? Grace, mercy, and peace. Are, are those words that, that, that you use very often? You know, Paul did, so much so that, that, they, that they come right in the beginning of his second letter to the Apostle Paul. If you're not thinking about something, you're not speaking about it, right? How often does Christ come out of your mouth each day? It comes out of the Apostle Paul's mouth all the time. It should come from our mouth as well. Now, in order to accurately understand 2 Timothy, we need to, we need to know some things about it. Otherwise, we might assume some, some wrong assumptions. We might think, oh, this is just like 1 Timothy. Come on, it's, it's got almost the same name. It's just 2 Timothy. So this is the follow-up. Okay, he, he wrote 1 Timothy in order to encourage Timothy to, to pastor well to the church in Ephesus and, and to teach the church how they're to conduct themselves in Christ's church. And so no doubt this is just part two. This is how to continue on conducting yourself in Christ's church. That, that, that's what this is. But, but, but what we're going to find is that's not what this is a, at all about. What, what we're going to see is this, is this is Paul's final memoirs. This is Paul's, what do you call it, swan song. 
This is his final will and testament. This is what he wants to give to Timothy as everything in his life is now closing up. And as he, as he looks more than ever before at Jesus Christ and sees him coming to, to take him home soon. And, and as a result, that, that just adds so much impact and import into what Paul writes. Because what we see is that the reason is is to encourage Timothy to keep on keeping on and to persevere as a gospel witness, as a church planter, as a pastor. But that is so much relevant to each of us. As we see and as we will see as we look at 2 Timothy, the encouragement that comes through the pen of the Apostle Paul. And by far, this is his most personal letter. All over the place, we will see indication again and again that Paul is trying to be as personal as he can to Timothy. Letting him know just what is of utmost significance. And what is of utmost significance? It's remembering Jesus Christ. And Paul, now more than any other time in his life, could have, could have pulled back and gotten into all sorts of other details. But he doesn't. He doesn't even get into great detail as to where he is when he pens this letter. What we know is that Paul is in prison. He's in jail. But it's not the same jail and same experience as we see in Acts 28. I'd like to start there this morning, so turn to to Acts chapter 28, verses 30 to 31, as we see oh so clearly the way that Paul was imprisoned. As Luke finishes off Acts, he gives us this depiction and then leaves us there so we don't really know exactly how Paul's life ended. Except for what we see in the rest of Scripture. And so we, we get Paul's ending, last chapter of his life in 2 Timothy. His final memoirs. What he wants to leave with Timothy. As, a, as to what is of mo- utmost significance. But we have to understand where he's at in order to fully grasp the significance of what Paul is about to share with Timothy. Look at what it says, and he stayed, speaking of Paul, two full years in his own rented quarters. So it's not even a jail that he was in. He was in a house that he had to pay some sort of rent for. And notice he wasn't alone. And was welcoming all who came to him. So he could have visitors. And he had lots of visitors. And people were coming to him. And then what was he doing? Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. This is what Paul's life was all about. This is what got Paul up in the morning. Preaching Christ. Teaching God's word. And this is what he did even though he was in house arrest. But what is oh so significant is how different this is from what we see in 2 Timothy. But you almost have to be some sort of detective to to find it here in 2 Timothy. See, if it was me, that'd be the first thing out of my mouth that I was in jail. That's what I I want to remind Timothy, to, to somehow appeal to some sympathy towards me. Timothy, you know all I've been through. You know what? I'm still in it right now. But that isn't where Paul goes. 
Instead, to even discern exactly where he is, you, you have to find a verse here and find a verse there, which is what we will do. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. This lets us know that the circumstance that Paul was in right now as he's writing this letter, and I don't know where you're at this morning, but this should be an encouragement for all of us. Because many of us are suffering this morning. And yet, look at Paul's mindset. Look at what he says. Chapter 1, verse 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our, of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm a prisoner, and why am I a prisoner? Because of the gospel. I'm not just a prisoner, though. I'm suffering. Paul was not in an easy circumstance. This isn't Paul kicking back on on his lazy chair with a remote in his hand watching Sunday football. This is anything but that. Paul is in an incredibly difficult situation, circumstance, and he's suffering. He gives us a little bit more of of an account in chapter 2, verses 8 to 9 in 2 Timothy. And really, this, this, this could be one of Paul's purpose statements that we see in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. What this is all about, right here what he says, remember Jesus Christ. Hey, don't, don't, don't remember me. Remember Jesus Christ. I, I could point you to me in this. No, no but I could, that, that, is not going to last. What's going to last is Jesus Christ. Your relationship with him, Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. Then look at this. For which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. Yes, I'm imprisoned. And I'm imprisoned as though I were a criminal, even though I am not. I'm unjustly sentenced right now. But notice, he he doesn't add a whole bunch of weight to that. He adds all the weight to who? To the Lord Jesus Christ and to the Word of God. Those are always coupled together. Throughout 2 Timothy, we're going to see it again and again and again. God's Word and how significant it is. And it's as if Paul is throwing out this as, hey, this is your lifeline. This is your lifeline. This is your lifeline. Don't forget about these two things. Don't forget. Forget about Jesus Christ. Don't forget about his word. Stay in the word, Timothy. God's word is never imprisoned, Timothy. No doubt it's for this reason that Paul actually asked Timothy to bring him his word, the word. Many, many historians believe that where Paul is at during this time is called the Mamertine prison in Rome. That means probably... Not a whole lot to many of us, except for think of this. Think of Alcatraz, solitary confinement, times 10. This, this was literally a, a hole in the ground that was considered a cell. And all that there was with that cell was, was just dirt everywhere except for a, a small little hole at the top. By which Paul could do what? He could get air to breathe. And when the sun was out, he could get light to write. My question is, how did he pen 2 Timothy from that kind of circumstance? 
what would the pages look like? How do they not get dirty? How, how, did, how did he even get, get the ability and the means to write? And then on top of all of that, in, in, in all of these circumstances, my temptation would just to be so self-focused, the last thing I would want to do is to write a note to someone. When was the last time you wrote a note to someone? Even when you're in a good place. And look at Paul. This is his heart. This, this is what we should do be doing more of, investing in others, loving others, writing notes, reminding those whom we love that we love them and that we see them as a precious gift to us, which is where Paul will go. But it's not just where he's at in this hole, and I wouldn't even think of it as a prison because it's not really a prison. You, you, you wouldn't allow somebody to be a prisoner like this today. They'd say it's inhumane, but that's where Paul was. But there's more that he tells us in chapter 4. He has an expectation. And his expectation isn't that he would be released from this prison, but that he would be released from this body. That he would be released from this suffering. Do you recognize that, that this is the only life that we get to suffer and to live for the Lord Jesus Christ as a gospel witness? The life after this, it'll be too late. That, that'll be time with fellow believers. Look at what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. His, his life is ebbing away. He, he recognizes this, but in, instead of shrinking away from the suffering, he's actually leaning into it. And he says what? And the time of my departure has come. He's not talking about being released miraculously from this prison cell, from this, from this dirt hole that he's in. God's already shown him again and again and again that God is more than capable of releasing him miraculously. But he's not calling upon that. He's recognizing that his time is about done. Look at what he says. A challenge to Timothy, a challenge to each of us particularly when you think about the circumstance that he's in. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, he's, he's seldom ever focused on himself. Even when he's talking about receiving a reward, the, the whole idea is that he may pass that on to Timothy to spur him on and join me in receiving this Reward, Timothy. Keep living for Jesus. Will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What a sweet way to, to talk about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Loved his appearing. Are you waiting for that day? Paul was. Paul could see it coming. And he knew most likely at this time that it was going to be his death bringing in Jesus coming to him rather than Jesus coming to him and him meeting him in the sky. But Paul gives us even more of a clue as to how difficult this circumstance and situation was. Unlike Acts 28 where he had many people coming to him and staying with him and, and giving him an opportunity to share Christ, what we see here is he's lonely. What we see here is he's been abandoned. What we see here is he's been deserted, not just by some of those that have left the faith, 
and are apostates, but, but we see that he's, he's been left by some for good reasons. Look at verse 9. Make every effort to come to me soon. There's emphasis there. Timothy, please come. I, I want you to come so that we can be mutually encouraged. And this is so significant and important to him that he, he repeats it before he even finishes this letter. Look at verse 21. Chapter 4, verse 21. Make every effort to come to me before... Well, you just said that. He doesn't want Timothy to miss it. He wants Timothy to get it. But then look at verse 10. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. And it's gone on to Thessalonica. Obviously, that's for a bad reason. A fellow servant of the Lord that no doubt broke Paul's heart by leaving him. So just him leaving him is hard enough, but the circumstances and the reason why Demas has left would break his heart even further. But then look at the other two mentioned who, who leave for good reasons, and yet it still leaves Paul, what? Alone. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark. And bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Think of the grace there. Mark, whom he had said, no, I don't want him to come with me, and goes, different, goes a different path with Barnabas back in Acts that we saw. And if that wasn't enough, being alone, being lonely, having all these people deserted, having deserted him, look at what we see in verse 13. There was something else that he was lacking. Not just physical companionship, but the essentials of life. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. So however they had grabbed him and then imprisoned him, he didn't have enough time to even grab his cloak. No doubt this is speaking to the fact that inside this dungeon dreary dirt cell that he was staying in that he was somewhat cold so he's asking timothy hey can you bring my cloak i need something to keep me warm to keep me physically warm but then he also asked for for something that would keep him spiritually warm he too and in all of this wanted to remind timothy you know what i need to be reminded as well I need to be reminded of the truths of God's word. I can't get by without God's word. Is that, is that your perspective towards God's word? Of all the things that you could ask Timothy for, what, would it have been this? My parchment. I want the word of God. I want that to dwell in me. I want to center my time in Scripture. I want to immerse myself in Scripture. I want to spend more and more time with the Lord in Scripture. No, where, where Timothy was at was, was a tough, tough spot. What's interesting is we, I'm sorry, where Paul was at was a tough, tough spot. And, and honestly, where, where he leaves Timothy is, is, okay, I guess I better drop everything and head towards Paul. And yet with everything that we know from church history, we don't have any record of, of Timothy meeting up with the Apostle Paul. I, I can think of what that would have looked like. Perhaps... When, when I'm in glory and I get to meet the Apostle Paul, I will ask him, hey, did, did Timothy ever meet 
and come and greet you like you asked in, in 2 Timothy. Or perhaps I will be so enamored with the Lord Jesus Christ that those kinds of questions will be long gone. But in any case, it, it, it would seem for us to understand that, that Paul was indeed lonely, very lonely, and in a place that was oh so difficult. What makes matters worse is that Nero was the emperor at this time, and he was a crazy man. And he had lit all of Rome on fire, basically except for his own palace. And, and, and so what happened is everybody starts pointing their fingers towards Nero, saying, oh yes, he did it. And what does he do instead? He then turns all of his attention on Christians, on believers, and goes after them. Among whom on the number one most wanted list of Nero, no doubt, was the Apostle Paul. So he tracks down, hunts down, no doubt, Paul and grabs him and then throws him in this dirt cell. And many church historians, Origen, Euspius, Dionysus, the bishop of, of Rome, Gaius of Rome, Dionysius, the bishop of Corinth, all of these guys, do you know what they say? They say that Peter and Paul were both killed under Nero in Rome. Peter, of course, on, on a cross. Paul beheaded. That's where Paul's at. That's what Paul is looking forward to. That's Paul's circumstance. That's Paul's life. We have to understand that in order to make sense of what 2 Timothy is saying. In order for us to then take God's word, okay, so this is, this is what it meant, and then take it over the bridge over to today, in 2022, so then what do I do with this? You remember the Lord Jesus Christ just as he's encouraging Timothy to do. I know there's not much room in, in, in your notes this morning, but let me, let me give you an outline if, if you'd like it for the, the book of 2 Timothy, just a, a quick, short, and sweet outline. With four points. This is, this is not anything to do with my sermon. This is, this is the whole Second Timothy as I've spent time in the last couple weeks, really last month, pouring into it. And I, I believe this is a, a good, sweet, short little outline of what we're going to see in Timothy. First, what is Paul telling Timothy? All of these are remember. Remember to live by the strength of the Spirit, Timothy. That is your power source. It's not your own strength. It is the Spirit of God. He is the one who will get you through. So rely and live by the strength of the Holy Spirit. We see this idea of remember over and over again, particularly in the first chapter Notice verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I what? As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. What's implied? Hey, I am remembering you, so you should remember as well. Remember me, pray for me. Remember the churches that by God's grace we were able to plant. Pray for them. Be a man of prayer. Remember what God has done and pray. Verse 5, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. That speaks to the fact that Paul is remembering how Timothy was raised. And in that, he's encouraging Timothy to also remember. Oh, so clear in verse 6, for this reason, what? I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through laying on of my hands. 
implication? Remember what God has gifted you with through the Holy Spirit and keep serving Him, Timothy. I know at times that you're going to want to abandon that, but do not abandon it. Keep on keeping on. Second, remember the gospel and testify to it. Remember the gospel. This is chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. We see this again in in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. He puts front and center the gospel. Front and center God's word. Front and center the Holy Spirit. All things of which we should be constantly reminding ourselves. Third, this, remember to not engage in strife. Use your mouth for the glory of the Lord, not to get back at someone. And Timothy, I want you to remember this, and I want you to remind others of this as well. We see this oh so clearly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to what? Not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Again, this goes right into God's word. Instead, Timothy, give them the word. Give them the word. Be all about the word, Timothy. Which really is the, the final point. That is from chapter 3, verse 10, all the way to the end of chapter 4, and that is this. Remember to be strong in the word, because the path ahead, young Timothy, is full of suffering. Remember to be strong in the word, because the path ahead is full of suffering. Chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, look at what he says here. You, however, continue in what? In the things you have learned and become convinced of. Not things that that you're going to learn tomorrow. No, these are things you already know. You need to remember these things. Knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Okay, all that is introduction. (laughs) So that I can, by God's grace, give the sense, give the meaning of of what Paul means here in 2 Timothy. Just as we begin this journey with the Apostle Paul, passing on to Timothy, really on, on, on Paul's dying deathbed, what matters most to Paul? Let let me pray for for the preaching of of his word. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do. We we know that what we have in our hands right here is something we don't deserve. We know that there are tribes out there that do not have this word. We know that there are people groups out there who still do not know of you. And so we rejoice in your goodness to us, Lord. We pray that you would continue to raise up more and more to share your truth, to share your precious good news. And now as we open your holy, your inspired, your inerrant, your all-sufficient word, may you, Holy Spirit, may you be our teacher, be our guide. Remind us of what we need to be reminded of that we would leave here with a, a better grasp, a better vision, a better understanding of how we are to live for you in spite of our circumstances, looking forward to 
what you have for us in the future, but living for today in light of eternity and in light of the blessing that you have given us in and only through Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so from the start of this final letter, even from prison, Paul gives us the key to to persevering as he encourages Timothy to remember. To remember. Today we're going to see two things to remember. First, to remember God's gift of salvation given to Paul, seen in his apostleship. And second, God's gift of salvation given to Timothy, seen in his sonship. But first, Paul starts off with himself. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. This should sound incredibly familiar to you. This is another reason why I believe that the Apostle Paul is is just saying over, remember, 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 remember. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Almost identical except for there are nuances that are different that makes this even more personal. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, exactly the same. But the way that, that he then designates it after that is different. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior. There he's pointing back to the commandment, that this is what God's commandment was, that this is what you must do. You must fulfill this commandment. But here he he broadens it even more and, and goes into the sovereignty, into the purpose, and to the will of our God, tying in the fact that that Paul is an apostle by the will of God, by God's sovereign purposes, by God's plan, not by Paul's plan. It wasn't like Paul said, oh, oh yes, I want to be an apostle. Please sign me up. Will you just sign here? Are you kidding? Paul was going the other way on the road to Damascus trying to annihilate Christianity. And who sought who? Paul was seeking to destroy. Christ seeks to save. It's all about Christ. And his apostleship is rooted in who? Notice the next thing, he talks about himself being an apostle, but then that that gets blown out. That, That gets overpowered by how much we see Christ Jesus in these verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to what? The promise of life in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and what? And Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hey, Timothy, I don't want you to miss out what I'm trying to explain to you. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus Christ, and he is the reason why we live and why we have life and why we have eternal life. And even in my apostleship, Timothy. It comes solely because of Christ. I didn't ask for it. I didn't even volunteer. It wasn't like it was a draft and I, or I signed up for it. No, he, he, was, he was drafted. Jesus sought him. Jesus saved him. Jesus called him. Jesus made him an apostle. Jesus told him, okay, this is what you're going to do as an apostle. And so now do it. Even when that job as an apostle would end, it had nothing to do with Paul. It was God's timing, God's perfect timing. Bring bring that to us. And the world that we're living in right now, 
Yes, it is incredibly hard to hear about what is going on in Ukraine, and yet on the other side, man, it is amazing to hear about all these believers in Ukraine being forced, being sent out, just like in the dispersion acts. And, and even some homegrown missionaries that we have that we are sending out to Germany. Are you kidding me? That we support missionaries right now from Budapest, Hungary, that's just three hours from the border, that, that are coming and, and being involved and, and giving to the Ukrainians what is needed. Yes, food and supplies, but even more importantly, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. None of this takes God by surprise. Just as Paul in this crazy predicament and the situation and circumstance of being in this dirt cell wasn't beyond God's scope of what he was in control of. This should give Timothy so much confidence in trusting the Lord going forward. This should give you and me the same confidence, knowing that nothing will shake God's will and somehow change it. No, this was by the will of God, and that's what he's encouraging Timothy with. And then he ends with this sweet phrase, according to what? The promise of life in Christ Jesus. Is there promise of life in anything else? You know, our world, America, it wants to sell us something that would say otherwise. Now, the promise of life is, is in money. It's whatever makes you happy. That's where the promise of life really is. And you know, what we know from Scripture is the promise of life is found in only one person and through and only in belief in Him, and that is in Christ Jesus. This isn't talking about just normal life. This is talking about eternal life. That's where Paul is going, that, that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of man's problems, to what happened back in the garden. And how sin entered the world and death with it. That Jesus Christ is the life. He is eternal life. And only through Jesus Christ can eternal life come. He's reminding Timothy of that. That life is found in no other. And notice how Paul's apostleship. And what is an apostle? Well, simply it's, it's a messenger. It's someone sent on behalf of someone else, like an envoy. It's, it's, it's someone who's like an ambassador, would be very similar to what an apostle is. And so what, what is he saying? He's saying that I, as, as being the, the messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ, what, what is my whole message? What is my whole life? What is everything that I do? It's all centered in him. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, and the baton that the Apostle Paul is passing off is, is not his apostleship. It's the gospel. And that's where this morning that same baton has been passed to each of us. It's why... Oh, Pastor Eric took it. It's why the, those little cards in the back are important. Why those little cards in the back can be a lifeline for your neighbor. They need Jesus Christ. And the promise of life can be found in no one else. So please, come join us on that Saturday. I know it's scary to go knocking on doors and, and handing them out. I'll, I'll be scared that day too. I'll be scared this coming up Friday when we go to the mall. 
But, but that doesn't mean that I, that I, that I get, a, get away from evangelism card. doesn't mean that if you don't think that you have the gift of evangelism that you don't get to, oh, well, then I don't have to do that. No, this is the ministry that is given every one of us. And so you know what we do? We struggle. We fall. Yes, at times somebody will say something. You have absolutely no idea how to respond to that. And what do you do? You trust the Lord. And if all else you goes, if all else fails, just take them back to Jesus Christ. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. John fourteen six. That's what He's talking about. That the biggest question for us all this morning is, what have you done with this promise of life? Do you know where you are going this morning when you die? I didn't mean that that you're going to die this morning. God knows when you're going to die. I have absolutely no idea, but we don't know that you might die just minutes after you leave here. And at that point, then all will be settled. You will not get another choice. You will not get another chance. Oh, yes, is that what that pastor guy was talking about? He was kind of weird, but, but he did say something about Jesus. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as the promise of life, promise of eternal life, that he alone holds eternal life in his hands. Why? Because he alone is God. He alone was 100% God, 100% man. He alone is the one who died upon the cross to make the way for us to be reunited with God and to have our sin debt paid for on our behalf. Him taking our place him being the propitiation, actually bringing God's, all of God's justice, and then God the Father saying, I'm good with that. Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sins, recognizing there is nothing you or me we can do to earn salvation? But praise the Lord, we don't have to because Jesus did. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as the promise of life. Now before Paul gets into the rest of his letter, I mean this would have been enough to start to, to frame everything. Remember Jesus. Remember the gospel. Remember this is God's will in everything that we're going through right now, Timothy, but he's not finished. He wants to now make it even more personal towards Timothy. And so where he goes next is God's gift of salvation to Timothy seen in his sonship. To Timothy, my beloved son. Okay, turn back with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is different. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. There's no mention of faith. There's true child. Here there's beloved. What does that mean? It means beloved. It means someone you love. It means someone you care deeply about. What is Paul doing? Paul is signaling to Timothy, you know what, I'm on my deathbed, but son, I'm still thinking of you. Can you imagine? Someone in these circumstances getting a letter from the Apostle Paul saying, man, I love you, and I love you more than so many other people because you know what? I don't consider them my son, but you I do. I'm thinking when Timothy got this letter, it wasn't too long before he was on his way. Couldn't you? If your mom and your dad wrote you a letter like this, wouldn't you stop everything that you're doing and go be by them at their bedside? 
God's word is so rich. My beloved son, man, I want you to know how much I love you. How much I'm supporting you as your father. That's why I'm calling you son. I don't call everybody son, but I call you son. But even in this, it's not because I am your father. Biologically, no, that, that, no we're not. And so where is he pointing? He's pointing everything to Christ. And he's letting him know, as close as we are, Timothy, and as much as I want you to come and spend some time with me and, and give me my parchments and, and give me my cloak and all of that, I don't want you to miss the significance that I am about done and I will not be with you next year. And so recognize, Timothy, please, please, please recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ is all you need. In fact, he's much better than I am. And because of him, your heavenly father is now looking at you as a son because of Jesus Christ. So even though I'll long be gone, Jesus Christ will be with you, Timothy. So take some consolation in that. Take some encouragement in that. And, and, and doesn't that encourage all of our hearts this morning? Whatever you're going through this morning, I don't know what you're going through, but I can say emphatically, Jesus Christ is with you. And Jesus Christ will not desert you. All this from, from Paul letting Timothy know that he is his beloved son. But he doesn't stop there, does he? Then he gives us this, this triplet this triplet that we're so fast at just saying, oh, let's say grace. Maybe. Maybe you don't even say that. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Why does he say this? Because it's Paul's normal greeting? No, it's not his normal greeting. He's saying it because he wants to remind him because of Jesus Christ, this is what you have. You have, number one, God's grace, God's unmerited, undeserved favor. There's nothing you could do to earn this, Timothy. There's nothing I've done to earn this. This is God's gracious gift to us, known as grace. And I didn't mention this in first service, and this is so cool. Do you know how many times grace is mentioned in the New Testament? 125 times. Do you know how many times the Apostle Paul is actually the one using this word? 90. That means over two-thirds of the time when we look at the New Testament and we see the word grace, do you know whose mouth it's coming from? From the Apostle Paul. Now, now no doubt we look at him as, as, as probably the, the greatest theologian, the greatest missionary ever to exist and to live other than Jesus Christ, right? He, he was an amazing man, but notice what he is all about. He's all about grace. You, you, you don't mention something unless you're thinking about it. So Paul has to be thinking about grace, and he has to be thinking about grace all the time. My question for us this morning is, do you think about grace? This unmerited favor, this undeserved favor that God freely bestows upon us. And it's not just at salvation. We, we see it in salvation in Romans 3, 23 to 24. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as what? 
as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. The fact that we are redeemed, the fact that we are justified, that, that God in His infiniteness would know us by name, and because of what Jesus Christ did on our behalf, that God then graciously covers our sin debt with the life of Jesus and does this incredible exchange. And Jesus takes our death upon Himself and then gives us His very righteousness. Are you kidding me? That's by what? That's by grace and by grace alone. But turn with me to Titus because that's not all that grace is. And so many times we sell grace short. We don't think about grace in a daily kind of way. We don't think about grace as, as this power that, that God is working in and through us. But that's exactly what it is. Grace doesn't just save us. You can't keep grace back on the day that you were saved. You must continue to remind yourself that God's grace is ever active. Except for when you're being prideful. There, there are things that stop the floodgate of grace from coming to you. And one of them is pride. Look at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. I know we all know this verse. But I want us to consider that this is how Paul starts off this letter. This is what he wants to remind Timothy. Man, I want you to put this in your pocket, grace, and I want you to take this with you everywhere you go. And I want you to pull it out, and I want you to remind yourself, oh, God's grace is good. God's grace is needful for me because I can't live this Christian life without this. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Okay, so that's the Romans part. But then look at this, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Paul saying, this is what you need, God's grace. And Timothy, I don't want you not to be thinking about it, so I want, you to, I want to remind you of God's incredible grace. Second, he wants to remind Timothy of God's incredible peace. I'm going to define peace as a state of well-being this morning for us. A state of well-being, which doesn't seem to make any sense because as I picture Paul in this small little dirt jail thing that he was in with only that little hole, I would think anything but a state of well-being and yet Paul would learn in all circumstances to be content so he was content and he's actually praying and, and this is prayer language that we see in the way that he's phrasing this to Timothy he's saying man I'm praying that God's grace that God's peace would be with you that it would be the thing that sustains you that it would be that that helps get you through the times like I am right now in this dirt hole. And, and remember this, Timothy. Remember God's, God's peace. And let God's peace come to you. And then finally, mercy. Grace, mercy, and peace. 
What is Paul doing? He's reminding him of mercy. God's covenant sustaining kindness and concern. Covenant meaning that he is going to be faithful to himself, that that his mercy is there. Really, it's God pouring out his kindness to us by withholding his wrath and judgment upon us. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is, is God withholding what we do deserve, which is his wrath. And so what is Paul doing? He's encouraging Timothy, remember, remember God's mercy, that you do not stand condemned. That even at times when you feel the pressure and the temptation to just want to abandon everything, Timothy, remember his mercy and how great his mercy is. That's why we sing the songs that we sing about his mercy, that his mercy is more than all of our sins, that no matter what you do tomorrow and your sin tomorrow, God is not going to hold that over you. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, his blood has what? Cleansed you, forgiven you. That's why his mercy is more, and that is exactly what Paul is reminding Timothy of here, that God's gift, his free gift of salvation, has now afforded Timothy God's grace, God's peace, and God's mercy. And he does not want Timothy, and the Lord does not want any of us this morning who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior to leave here this morning without the same encouragement. You know, I I don't believe that there's anything sweeter than to see someone in the position that Paul's in on his deathbed recounting testimony of God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace. There's something that takes it just from the normal reality into a whole different level that you just say, man, that that is so much God that they can respond like that right now in this kind of situation, this kind of circumstance. Time and time again as I pray for Heather Howard and know the difficulty that she's been having, that, that her family's been having, Time and time again, I, I, I just have God's grace and peace pour out and over me. Why? Because she is so confident that the Lord is taking her home. And because all she wants to do is speak about Jesus. We, we, we saw this in our, in our tribe in Papua New Guinea where, where we served. And, and let me finish with this sweet story about um, OEI. You see, when we moved in there, w- women were treated worse than dogs. They were beaten all over the place. They, were, they, 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 they treated their, their dogs better than their wives. Why? Because, well, the dogs helped them get food. And in their mind, their wives were just possessions that you could treat however you wanted. And so as we taught through creation, and as we got to the creation of Eve, and what a blessing she was, and now she was the perfect helper for Adam, and how she was created in God's image. I remember OEI raising her hands and saying, wait, wait, so what, so what you mean is that I matter? That I'm, that I'm not less than the dogs? No. And it's that kind of attitude that then came into when it came time for, for someone like OEI to die, and there were many ladies and many men that in their old age, they were on death's bed. And they, and they were on this, this floor mat. That's all they had on a, on, a, on a bark floor. And I remember several times going in where someone's just, they're, 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 they're 
lungs are full up of pneumonia. They're, they're about to pass. And yet they would say, hey, everybody stop. Listen, I, I want to say something. And what they would say is, don't cry for me. Don't you dare cry for me. Don't follow Satan's ways. Don't stop going to my garden. Go and eat whatever you want from my garden. That was all a lie from Satan. I'm not under his bondage anymore. You shouldn't be under his bondage anymore either. Go to my garden. Go to my river hole and go fishing. Don't follow those old ways. Follow the way of Christ. And, and don't cry for me. Rejoice. The, 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 too, the too hot, the sweat, and the body pain, all, all the suffering of, of this life is now gone. I am in a better place. Trust in him and follow me. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy. I have some points to ponder. You can look at those this week. How often do you remind yourself of the truths of the gospel? How often do you actually speak the words grace, mercy, or even peace? Good things to consider because the things that we don't say are the things that we're not thinking about. Let me pray as Pastor Shane and the worship team come up. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the treasure house that your word is. And for the many, many truths that we see in your word, we thank you for the reminder this morning of just how great salvation is in you, Lord Jesus, that there is the promise of life found in no other. Lord, we pray that you would use us, that you would use our, our, our small body here to make an eternal impact. As only you can through the proclamation, through the heralding of your gospel, may we be all about the things that you're all about. So give us eyes to hear and mouths to speak what you would have us to speak, what you would have us to see. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. That we respond to this wonderful salvation.